Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the news stories that matter to you. Harder. Older. Hartley Brewer. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show. I'm Julia Hartley-Brewer. You're with Talk TV. Tory MPs are calling on the government to announce more radical policies to reduce immigration numbers before Christmas. Oh, probably won't reduce numbers before Christmas, but they want the announcement before Christmas. Uh, while Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick told the Commons yesterday that the time for tinkering is over. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Conservative MP Phil Cotswold's Sir Geoffrey Clifton-Brown. Uh, good morning to you, good sir. Good morning. Uh, now, last morning, time discussed... Julia. Hello. Good morning, morning. Last time we discussed this, I was saying, Julia, is this a big issue in, in the consoles? But you said, yeah, absolutely is something that people are raising with you. Lots of MPs, particularly from the red wall uh, seats that have been raising this, lots of ang- very angry MPs in the Commons yesterday. And we had um, we had Robert Jenrick, the Immigration Minister, basically backing up what Suella Bravman has said as former Home Secretary, backing up what Priti Patel, the former Home Secretary, also had to say, basically, that, that he's being stopped. They're being stopped from actually carrying out any control on immigration. Um, what realistically could the government announce that would actually placate not just Tory MPs, but likely Tory voters as well? Well, there are a number of short-term things and a, and a few longer-term things. In the short term, we've got to find measures as to reduce the boats, uh, uh, this vile trade by these traffickers bringing people in in dangerous boats. So I, I think they're very actively looking at what can be in the emergency legislation uh, to see if we can resurrect uh, a Rwanda-type scheme or a scheme with some other countries. In the longer term, some of the categories that are in dispute in the press today, we've got to reduce our reliance, I think, on uh, uh, workers in the health service, in social services. Uh, we should be able to get a bigger pool of domestic people wanting to do those jobs. You know, the idea that in Ghana... For example, we have more nurses in the National Health Service here from Ghana than they do in Ghana itself. That is completely unacceptable, in my view. So we've got to find some medium-term solutions to those sorts of problems. Well, indeed, and, and lots of the talk that's uh, the criticism about today in the front page of the Times today is Rishi Sunak raising pressure to scrap one particular immigration route that allows foreign workers to be hired to plug workforce gaps, but to be paid at 20% below the going rate in their industry. And these are dozens of jobs across a wide range of industry. They include care workers, but also engineers and bricklayers. Uh, they also include ballet dancers as graphic designers and arts officers because my god if there's one thing we're short of in this country it's arts officers i mean goodness <laughs> me the nation will close well, yes. down business if we don't have them but this is the thing when when people like me were going on about this before 2016 and since that that when you have unlimited mass immigration and we had from the eu we're told well, we can't do anything about that well now we can and 
and yet we're still not doing anything about outside the EU, um, that, that, that you actually, it has an impact on wages of people here. It's not being xenophobic. It's just that if you are a bricklayer here, if you are a nurse here, if you're a care worker here, you are not in a position to negotiate higher pay because there's that demand for you and a, and a limited supply when there is an unlimited number of people who will come in and work at a cheaper rate. But that's why businesses love meeting with Rishi Sunak earlier this week to be told, yes, send us your brightest and best. We'll happily have them come here. That we'll help them get a visa because they're getting people cheap. Well, I, I wholly deplore getting people cheap. If they're coming into this country, they should be paid the same going rate as the equivalent category in this country. Let me make that absolutely clear. On the other hand, I don't think people in this country will thank us if we don't have enough nurses or care workers or even bricklayers, dare I say, because if people can't get their houses built or their factories built or whatever, they're not going to thank us for that. So I think there's some very difficult decisions got to be made here. There's some easier ones. For example, why should um, all these Chinese students who, after all, are on a limited visa, mm. be able to bring a huge number of uh, dependents with them? And there are other categories where there are too many dependents coming. I think it's Nigeria. Um, so Nigerian students, I think masters and above, who, who, who on, on average are bringing, you know, a huge number, a vastly larger number of family members and are more likely to bring family members in the first place than pretty much any other category. So that is a very easy category to, to clamp down on, in my view. If a student wants to come here, they have to accept that we can't um, have unlimited uh, migration into this country. Uh, so there are certain categories that are easier to cut down on. And also in relation to the figures, I think it's unlikely we're to have a repeat of the 250, both um, uh, Ukrainians and Hong Kong nationals in any one year affecting the figures. So I think the figures will come down significantly anyway, but we've got to get them down even more to a sustainable level. And, and why? I was in the Commons yesterday for the immigration minister's uh, statement, and I made a question. The numbers at this rate are simply putting huge pressure on our public services. You know, if, if people can't get a, an appointment with their doctor or get their child into the school that they want, or even get onto the housing list because they, they're feeding, facing competition from migrants, this is really a, a very difficult situation. So it is a situation we've got to deal with, um, but it's got to be done sensitively as well. It, well, it does need to be sensitive. And, and again, you know, talk, looking about the economic arguments, but there is also a cultural argument. There is an argument about sheer number of people coming into the country, particularly from countries where they don't share our language, perhaps don't share any of, many of the cultural values and norms that uh, we have in this country. And again, people get very uncomfortable when you start saying that. But it is nevertheless the case. When we go abroad to other countries, you, you are very aware of different cultural norms and behaviours and values and, and expectations of how people will be treated, particularly if you are, for instance, if you're a woman, if you're gay, uh, if you are, um, if, if you're in, say, a mixed marriage, mixed race marriage and the like, or mixed uh, religious marriage. There are many countries where these things will create a lot of difficulties for people. Now, we have been reporting en masse huge numbers of people from countries where people on average do not share our, our, our moral, cultural, political, uh, some would say faith norms as well. Um, and we are seeing people coming in on such a grand scale that they are moving into neighbourhoods where we talk about a lot in this country about multiculturalism. Actually, it's not multiculturalism. What it is, is enclaves of people from one country living side by side and going 
to work with each other and school with each other and not meeting anyone else, an enclave from another uh, uh, um, heritage group and an enclave from somewhere else. And, and people from Britain already here, or, or whichever ethnicity or, or background, uh, keeping themselves themselves as well. We are not creating a lovely, happy melting pot where everyone intermarries and knows each other from school. That is not actually the norm in most of our towns and cities. And we are seeing that when we see race riots on our streets. We are seeing that when we see some of the marches on our streets. What is the government going to do about that? Well, I entirely agree with you. We do want to see everybody coming to this country, not just sticking in their own little clique, which, as you, you indicate, in some of our towns and cities, you've got cliques of people who never really integrate properly, actually integrating more into the, into the country. And, and, and one of my, my colleagues uh, linking the two issues together about um, integration and the problems with these high immigration numbers, one of my colleagues cited yesterday that one of his primary teachers was already struggling in their school teaching this quite large class, but it had eight different languages to yeah. cope with. And, and then that makes it extremely difficult to, 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 to teach, teach in a class. And this is one of the sort of practical examples of very large immigration coming into the country, causing a difficulty in our public services. So I do think we have a duty to the people of this country to try and see where we can sensibly cut down the numbers. But I entirely agree with you about integration. We don't want these sort of cliques in our towns and cities. We should be encouraging people to integrate, should be encouraging to people to learn English quite quickly and get integrated. I don't think encourage the is the right word. I think required. I think required. Yes. If I went to live in another country, I would expect to be have to learn the language and abide by the norms and customs of that country. I just think that's just basic good manners. I want to, I want to bring you on to something else there. Uh, just finally, very quickly, Omid Scobie's new book, had to be pulled from the shelves of, uh, uh, in, in the uh, Netherlands because the Dutch edition apparently names two members of the royal family who have been accused of being racist about uh, Meghan's then unborn baby, Archie. Um, they, they we're told, you know, we're not going to say the name, obviously. Uh, we're told this was an error. No one knows how this error has got in because it wasn't a translation because these names are not in any other edition of the book. Um, what do you make of these claims? Well, I think first thing to say about it, um, does um, the author, Mr. Scobie, really know who actually made that remark? He, a lot of his book Claims is based to. on tittle-tattle. Tittle um, whether he's right in, in the source or not, I don't know. Um, but I think it's, it's uh, we can't name it in this country. We're not allowed to name the person. Um, clearly, he had some sort of agreement that, or the publishers did, that, they, that this wouldn't be included. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been withdrawn in Holland quite so quickly. So I think that uh, it's, it's, it's not helpful. It's simply not helpful. And I think what we really want to see is a sort of, reconciliation between Meghan and Harry and the rest of the royal family. I, don't, I think this con continual articles about a rift between them is not helpful and, and, and no family wants unnecessary publicity into a rift in the family. Uh, privately, they should get together and sort it out, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm not quite hopeful that's going to happen. But anyway, thank you so much, Sir Geoffrey Clifton Brown. Let's talk about all of this right now with Deputy Leader of Reform UK. That's Ben Habib, who joins me right now. Good afternoon to you, Ben. Good afternoon, Julia. Pleasure much. to be with you. Lovely to talk to you. There's lots I want to talk to you about. Let's start with the migrant issue. There is no doubt at all we are seeing Reform UK just ticking gently up in the polls as more and more largely Conservative voters, but also Labour voters, who, who maybe in 2019 might have been those red wall Tory voters, um, get increasingly frustrated that 
um, they, they, they're just not being listened to. They've said again and again and again for, I mean, what, 20 plus years now, we would not like as many people to come to this country because we don't think there's space for them. They're not necessarily all integrating and they're undercutting British workers in terms of salaries, something that even the government openly admits there with their visa project uh, and, and, and rules. Um, and we, we'd like to have a massive curb on those numbers. And yet every year we see more and more and more people coming even when those people coming are entirely with the control of the government, where they are visas being issued by the government for legal migrants, students, workers and the like. First question, why do you think the government hasn't cut the number of migrants and has allowed it instead to go up? Well, I don't think the government cares, frankly. Um, I mean, this is a very big question you've just asked, but I, I think there's a, a complete... Um, uh, not contempt, but there's a complete lackadaisical attitude to the importance of the nation state that is the United Kingdom. And I think it's a problem that pervades now right across Europe, the UK and the US, where our politicians really don't give a damn about the social fabric of nation states. They allow, for example, Julia, I'm going to digress for a second, but they allow, for example, our language to be hijacked, our history to be trashed, our national heroes to be trashed. They don't really care about the nation state. They don't care about the homogeneous, harmonious society that we would be if we had shared values and we all came together in the way that the United Kingdom used to come together. And if you don't care about that, you use any kind of, um, uh, you know, lasto bland to get over, fix the broken labor market that we've got. They don't care that they're taking in unbridled, unskilled, mass immigration to fill a broken labour market that they broke because they don't care about the social fabric of the country. Because, but is, if that, actually... is that... Ready to pop the question? The jewellers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Because you think they, because they are just totally unaffected by it. Because I, I, I'm very aware in the, you know, the world that I live, you know, people go, oh, God, not so many Eastern Europeans coming here. You can't get such a cheap nanny or a cleaner anymore. Um, you know, and, and, you know, they're Uber drivers or whatever. There are actually an awful lot of people who work at the decent, you know, high levels of the civil service or, or these think tanks or, or in government themselves that actually they benefit from all of this and they get, you know, cheap builders, cheap cleaners, cheap everything or cheaper than it would otherwise be. And they just don't live with the consequences of this because they're not competing for the same appointments, the same GP surgery. They're not sitting on the, the council housing no. or housing association list. Then they don't send their children to the same schools. They make darn sure they don't, even if they're still using the state system. And they are just completely and utterly um, isolated and, and insulated 
from the realities that the vast majority of people in this country do have to live with. Yeah, I mean, at its heart, mass unskilled immigration is a Ponzi scheme, isn't it? Because you get a broken labour market, you have GDP per capita that isn't rising, or GDP, frankly, that isn't rising, and you try to fix the problem by taking in more people who spend more money and admittedly earn more money, but they create a long tail of liabilities for the country, such as the ones that you've just identified on housing, on the NHS, on our infrastructure generally, on our schools. Uh, and, you know, believe it or not, immigrants also get older and they become pensioners and then they have to be supported. And so what we've got is a sort of ever increasing pool of immigrants coming into the country as a result, I think, partly because the government doesn't care about the nation state and social fabric of the country, fixes its broken labour market, ends up on this conveyor belt off which it cannot step. Yeah. without some serious re-engineering of the way our domestic yeah. economy works. And, and also an expectation and that the, the businesses pay a wage where they can actually get people. They'll say, well, we can't get any bits to do it. Well, no, not at the wages you're paying, because if you can get someone to come and do it because they're living, Absolutely. you know, 10 in a house uh, and then sending money back home and things, that's very different from how most British people want to live. But also, we, let's face it, not only do we have a broken migrant policy, we also have, you know, broken NHS, broken education system, broken training. Um, we also have a broken benefit system because we know there are some 5 million people of working age, um, that there'll be people who are who have genuine disabilities, genuine illnesses and cannot work, and we should be giving them as much help as we possibly can. I was in contact with somebody the other day talking about how he's having to give up work to care for his wife who was dying of cancer, and, you know, and there is virtually no help for them at all. You know, we need to be a caring, civilised society. But there are also an awful lot of people who, frankly, you know and I know and everyone knows, because we all know people who are doing this, swinging the lead. They don't want to work. They don't see why they should. They can get by on the, on the yeah. benefits they can, and they are bleeding this country dry. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The gap between the net wage that you take home and what you can get on benefits if you're a working class, you know, a median wage earner in the UK or below, that gap has to exist. There's got to be a significant gap. And what we haven't got a gap between, uh, we haven't got a significant gap between what you can get on benefits and what your net wage is for the working class. And it's absolutely critical that two things are done. One, that benefits are controlled and policed more um, robustly to ensure that the system's not being abused. And then the other thing that needs to be done, which is so obvious to all of us, with the exception of Jeremy Hunt and the Prime Minister, is that taxes on the working and middle classes have to be reduced. You've got to take millions of people out of the tax net. Instead, he's frozen the threshold uh, for the payment of income tax at £12,500 per annum, which by 2028 is going to suck in another 4 million people. Just get that, Julia. 4 million people more are going to be paying taxes that aren't paying taxes at the moment. What incentive is it for them to work if they can't keep the very small number of pounds that they legitimately work hard for in their back pockets. Yeah. Which already are worth Hunt's less than they were it. a year or two ago because of inflation, I, indeed. Absolutely. Um, do you, I mean... It's such bad Do you think this is going to end up, whether it's you know, stopping the boats or whether it's the legal migration, now people are waking up to those numbers, thinking the government... I mean, people said the numbers, the concern about, my legal, about legal migration went down, but that's because everyone thought everyone was on top of it and it wasn't going to be coming a big issue. It's back there, it's at, you know, it's the top of the list for a lot of people, as well as the NHS, although we're told, oh, you won't get an operation on the NHS unless, you, uh, unless we have migrants. I mean, you know, we're constantly... 
that's the deal. I know. Um, other countries seem to manage quite well, by the way, without having half their, you know, a huge number of people or you know, you, uh, work coming in from abroad to work in their health service. We are unique on this. But do you think this is going to be a key vote decider at the next election? I, I Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And I think there is only one party to vote for. If you care about the way our economy functions, uh, you know, vis-a-vis -vis migration and the kind of third world economic model that's being practiced. And that is Reform UK, because Labour has exactly the same policies as the Conservative. Neither of them are going to cut taxes on the working middle classes. Neither of them seem to care about the social fabric of this country. Suella Braverman was absolutely right when she said multiculturalism presents an existential threat to Western democracy. That's not being hyperbolic. That's just recognising the problem we've got. In the last three years, Julia, three and a half, we talk about net migration figures, in the last three years, at a gross level, three and a half million people have come to have emigrated from their countries yes. to the UK. That is 5% of our population. Yes. That is a huge turnover. And by that measure, it also means that a very significant number, I, I imagine, of aspiring, hardworking, bright, young British citizens have left the country. Yeah. This is not the economy we want. Yeah. We want to retain people who've got brains and well-educated and contribute to the creation of a first world economy. And we don't want to attract an unskilled labour that embeds and allows multi multinational corporations to effectively yeah. get away with abusing yeah. the workforce. Also, I mean, that's what's I, going on. I also want to raise the issue also, the, the, the cultural issues, the, the, um, the, we'll talk about multiculturalism. I'm, 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 I'm very happy to have multiracial. I'm not a fan of multiculturalism, actually, because I think that Western liberal culture is the superior culture in the world and is the one that we should be protecting and valuing and, and shouting about the fact that the, the, how good it is. But we're also seeing a lot of people, I mean, huge numbers of people coming from the Indian subcontinent, huge number of people from Pakistan and Bangladesh who do not necessarily share a lot of the values that we have here in the UK about women's rights, about gay rights, um, you know, uh, interfaith or inter, uh, inter-ethnic marriage, inter-race marriage, and these things that we perhaps, the average person in this country is now completely accepting of um, and, and, and welcoming yeah. of. But things have changed. And we've seen on our streets, um, and I was, I was at the, 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 the Solidarity Against Anti-Semitism march on Sunday, but we see every Saturday's marches, very legitimate concern that people have about the plight of civilians in Palestine. But we also see some very nasty elements on that march, some very blatant, open anti-Semitism on that march. Um, we didn't have that a few years ago. We've imported that. No. And we need to be honest about who is making those threats absolutely. against Jewish people. We have to be absolutely clear thinking about it and have a robust debate over it. Because, um, again, without wishing to, um, you know, flatter Suella Braverman unnecessarily, she's, she, you know, she's the first mainstream politician to get up in, and cite the problem and do yeah. it unashamedly. And... You know, it's worse than us just tolerating and accepting values which are alien and antipathetic to our values. It is that we promote them. We absolutely, through diversity, equality and inclusion, you know, we're meant to shut up if we disagree with those values. Yeah. I've been on shows where I've debated, um, you know, people from other ethnicities where they've told me effectively I'm a bigot because I want to assimilate of immigrants into our society, for our values to be embedded, for our values to go forward, for um, and, and they regard that as somehow a prejudiced. 
And what we're seeing is not the benefit of immigration, the benefit that comes from a sharing of thought, a diversity of thought, uh, interactions with different cultures, which then create a better new society going forward. What we're seeing is silos of different cultures existing, coexisting, not harmoniously often, uh, you know, more often than not. And we're seeing a breakdown in what it means to be British. Yeah. And also, we've but, got to but stop But our political this. leaders are all just, they're just literally like going, la, 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 and pretend, don't tell me about it. Or, you're a bigot, you're, a, you're, 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 you're just a horrible person, don't tell me about it. But British people can see it happening. They know it's happening. They're not stupid. Um, just finally, I want to ask you something that people also know is happening right now. Nigel Farage is in the um, I'm a Celebrity jungle. Of course, he still has an honorary role uh, as president of the, uh, the, the Reform UK party, which remember of course you were you know loyal to him brexit and, uh, as well um there's a lot of talk about how he's been given a bad edit how he's being written out because we need talks about things which no doubt would 100 be newsworthy and be interesting in the jungle talking apparently about donald trump and his relationship with him that's been edited out because actually he's been quite a popular figure and done quite well in the jungle i knew he'd be a popular figure because you and i well you will we both know how genial and how funny he is um do you think they are deliberately making every interaction he has either boring, he's just washing, or is showing his bum in the shower, or they're trying to have, you know, engineer these sort of race rows in the, in the jungle to give him a bad edit? Do you think there is a conspiracy here? Well, I mean, they've had a, uh, an open attack on him. Have Ant and Deck have talked about, you know, the other channel. Who, I mean, can I mention GB no, News no, on no, Talk no, TV? No other channel, it's <laughs> just us. <laughs> but, you know, they've, had, they've attacked the number of viewers, for example, that yeah. watch the other channel that Nigel presents on. Uh, today, I think ITV is releasing something or intends to release something that's very anti-Nigel at a time when he can't respond because he's cut off. Um, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not a good look. And some of the debates he's had, I haven't watched a lot of I'm a Celebrity, I have to admit, but the debate that he had, for example, over immigration with that chef, I thought was so low caliber. It's beneath Nigel to have to engage at that really basic level. Um, Nigel is not xenophobic. He's not a racist. He wants to protect the culture of this country, which is absolutely right. And to trash him like that uh, when he can't defend himself, I think is um oh, He's chosen to go frankly. in the jungle. I think it's only fair, but but there we are. Yeah, he's but... getting one and a half million quid, apparently. I mean, yeah, so I'm not going to give you... I mean, I'm, let's face it, we're going to make him buy lunch <laughs> next time, aren't we? Uh, thank you, Ben Habib. Appreciate you joining us. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Ruthless but fair. Julia Hartley Brewer. Comprehensive coverage of all the new stories. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.